Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Today is November 3rd, 2022, and our first story. Well, the Democrats are panicking. Joe Biden is campaigning in safe blue areas because maybe the polls are wrong. And the GOP red wave that's coming, it could be substantially worse than Democrats realize. In our next story, Joe Biden gave a speech warning that if Republicans win, it could be the end of democracy. Oh, they're really panicking. And in our last story, AOC thinks that Elon Musk hacked her Twitter account shutting down her notifications because she's a narcissist. And no, Elon didn't do this. If you like the show, give us a good review and leave us five stars. Now, let's get into that first story. The phrase red wave, it does not cut it. Perhaps red tsunami. I don't know. Maybe red great flood. Either way, however you describe it, it sounds kind of gross, but that's what people are saying. Democrats are beyond panic mode. Joe Biden is campaigning in safe blue areas. Why? Why send a Democrat to an area that you expect to win? Unless, of course, you don't expect to win. The Democrats believe it. They know it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's guaranteed. You need to be going out and voting. We are seeing massive turnout in some areas in the early vote. And that says good things for Democrats are coming their way, at least as it pertains to the polls. Now, if you're to sit back and just look at the polls, it's apocalyptic for Democrats. So what I mean to say is as bad as it sounds and bad as it seems, there is some data that is giving Democrats hope. And if you think, Republicans, that you've got this one in the bag, you're going to lose. You need to get your friends and your family members and go and vote. Now more than ever. But when we take a look at Real Clear Politics Battle for the House, I'm not going to waste words. I want to get right into it and just show you right here. Of the Democratic seats that are up for re-election, 52 of them are at risk for Democrats. Of the Republican seats that are up, only 28 are at risk. That's fascinating. Now, of course, the Democratic seats have their safe blue. They're not showing it. Republicans have their safe red. But there's Lean's GOP, 24 seats of Republican seats and four toss ups. Among the Democratic seats, 28 are toss ups and 24, 24 democratically held, Democrat held seats are leaning Republican. Here's what I think. Why is Joe Biden heading out to New Mexico to safe blue territory? 
because the polls are shifting and it's getting worse. And I'll tell you this, I'm willing to bet in their own internal polling, they know they're going to lose and it's going to be worse than people realize. Even Democrat pollsters are saying, yo, it could be 255 Republican seats in the House. It could be 54 Senate seats. So of course, what are Democrats doing? They're telling us we're in a civil war, that it's white men to blame, and this is the end of democracy. I kid you not, even Bill Maher, of all people, I love this one, coming out and saying what happened with Nancy Pelosi is the cold civil war, and it's getting worse, and we're going to see more of it. Funny. I remember a couple of years ago, when uh, two years ago, when Bill Maher said there can't be another civil war, the Mason-Dixon line would run through our city streets, through our bedrooms. Yeah, okay, Bill. And you know what he does? He says it's the right there to blame. This is the lie, the big lie, because it was the 529 insurrection where they broke down the barricades in front of the White House, forced the president into a bunker, set fire to a guard post and set fire to St. John's Church. I'm not going to pretend that one side has a monopoly on escalation or conflict or anything like that. Certainly, there are people on the right who are saying we've had enough. And we won't stand for what the Democrats are pushing. But here's the truth. The Democrats, their policy positions are extremely unpopular. Bail reform has led to rampant crime. People are pissed off. Shutting down Keystone and fracking, it's made gas go through the roof. And then going and begging the Saudis for oil, it's pathetic. Meanwhile, Democrats are coming out and campaigning on January 6th. Civil war? Yo, people aren't thinking about this. I know we politicos may talk about this. I may talk about it. Regular people are simply saying, excuse me, sir, why is my gas so expensive? So Joe Biden, he's heading out to safe blue seats. I find that absolutely fascinating. It is a sign that the worst is yet to come for Democrats. And let me tell you, out in Florida, it's looking like Miami-Dade is going Republican. Now, this is beyond apocalyptic for Democrats. An urban center turning Republican is unthinkable. But hey, man, I saw what happened in the UK. I'm not entirely convinced if Republicans win, anything good will happen. So let's talk about the news. But before we get started, special announcement today, ladies and gentlemen, head over to losingmymind.com to pre-save the new song by me. It's called Genocide, Losing My Mind. We have a spicy music video dropping tomorrow at 9 a.m. It's going to ruffle some feathers. It's going to make some interesting points. And I think it's an amazing video. I think we did a really great job. I'm really impressed. And uh, I hope you check it out. So again, go to losingmymind.com, pre-save Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Amazon, whatever you use. And uh, we're going to be selling the song, of course, right before the election. This song is overtly political. Take a look at the picture and figure out for yourself what you think it's about. But uh, I think we're going to do better on this one than on our first song. So make sure you head over to losingmymind.com. Don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. The link will be in the description below. Here's the first story from the Daily Mail. Biden campaigns in more safe blue seats. President heads to New Mexico to stump for Democratic governor while Republicans gain momentum in crucial races, including Pennsylvania. In fact, in New Hampshire, they are now projecting Bolduc will win over at Real Clear Politics. A bold claim, but y'all better get out and vote. We're also hearing that New Hampshire's first district is now leaning Republican. We'll go through all that stuff, but uh, the Democrats seem to be abandoning many of these areas where it's a toss up and they're trying to protect what little they have. 
They're going to areas that are already Democrat. Incredible. They say President Joe Biden flew west on Thursday to try and shore up Democratic candidates in states he won two years ago as Republicans gain momentum in battleground races like Pennsylvania. The president will be in New Mexico to campaign for Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham, who has pulled ahead of her GOP opponent after polls last week showed her on shaky ground. He then heads to California to campaign for Rep. Mike Levin in San Diego, and he's making a stop in Chicago with a focus on boosting suburban Chicago congressional incumbents. Reps Sean Kasin, Lauren Underwood, and Bill Foster, who are in races that may be tightening. Oh, you'll love to see it. Biden is making a last-ditch effort to rally Democrats, as election forecasters predict Republicans will win control of the House in next Tuesday's election. And the battle to control the Senate is tightening. But most Democratic candidates have held the president at arm's length amid worries his low approval ratings and voter anger over his stewardship of the economy could bounce back on them. Man, that's brutal. The White House insists the president is traveling around the country and Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre on Thursday argued his message, which is beyond where he's speaking. When the president speaks, it is covered widely and broadly, she told reporters. In Pennsylvania, a crucial state Republican nominee, Dr. Mehmet Oz, has for the first time surpassed John Fetterman in polling. The two-point gap, 48 to 46, shows steady improvement for Oz, whose support from likely Pennsylvanian voters has increased by five points since September. Fetterman's injured, man. He can't talk. What are you going to do? Biden will be in Philadelphia on Saturday, along with Barack Obama to campaign for Fetterman. But the president won't be appearing in other states with close contests, including Nevada and Georgia. Nevada Senator Catherine Cortez Masto is in a neck and neck race fighting for her political life. Obama came uh, in this came to the state on Tuesday to try and rally Democrats her way. The Georgia Senate race is also a nail biter. But neither incumbent Democrat Raphael Warnock nor Republican nominee Herschel Walker are polling above 50 percent. State law mandates that candidates must receive a majority of the vote in order to win an election. If no one does so, the top two finishers advance to a runoff. With the Senate currently sitting at 50-50 and Vice President Kamala Harris providing the tie-breaking vote, any race could decide which party is in the majority next year. In Georgia, maybe this is why they're projecting Republicans win. It goes to a runoff. Libertarians mostly bail out and just say Republican, I guess. I mean, we'll see. The Democrats overwhelmingly are the authoritarian party. Don't get me wrong, Republicans are too, and libertarians aren't the biggest fans of Republicans. But most people who are Republican would be like, if I have to choose, if I had to, I guess I'll take a America first Republican over a Democrat. The president's party typically faces significant losses during midterm elections since 1934. Yada, yada, yada. You get the point. So here's where we are. The post-millennial Reacting to Biden's speech, a presidential historian tells MSNBC that we could be six days away from losing our rule of law and that we are on the edge of a brutal authoritarian system where children will be arrested and conceivably killed. What? Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. 
And along with their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Michael, we, we spoke Amazing. the last time the president gave address about democracy. Tell us the truth, the Chris Hayes, what's happening? How unprecedented uh, it is. This speech seemed in some senses more specific about the developments that we're seeing everywhere from the Arizona poll stalkers to the secretaries of state who, who refuse to uh, say that they'll accept the elections. Amazing. What do you view as the key takeaway of the speech tonight? Well, he was absolutely candid and he was absolutely right because, as you know, Chris, six nights from now, we could all be discussing violence all over this country. There are signs that that may happen, may God forbid, Why? that uh, losers will be declared winners by fraudulent uh, election officers or secretary of state candidates or governors or state legislatures. We could be six days away from losing our rule of law. I'm going to pause real quick and just ask this question. What do you mean? The polls are showing Republicans are going to win. So who would be the loser being declared the winner? Are you actually saying that with all of the projections showing Republicans are going to win, it's Democrats who would do it? Agreed. Moving on. And losing a situation where we have elections that we all can rely on. You know, those are the foundation stones of a democracy. So if Biden had gone on the air tonight and said, Biggest thing we have to worry about is, you know, marginal tax rate or something like that. Well, it is important. But what significant presidents do, I think you will agree, we both write history, you and I. 1860, Lincoln didn't say biggest issue is land-grant colleges, although he felt strongly. He said the country can't survive half-slave or half-free. 1940, Franklin Roosevelt didn't say, you know, the biggest thing I'm worried about is farm policy. I'm going to pause there real quick and just address some of this. I, I can't speak to every quote ever made by Lincoln, but I can tell you he campaigned on not abolishing slavery, saying that he would seek to stop its expansion. And uh, I'm not a historian, but what I did read, I was reading some historical academic articles. They said that Abraham Lincoln didn't want to expand, uh, didn't want slavery to expand uh, outside of the states that already existed in. And one of the principal concerns was that new industry could not compete with with companies that had access to massive slave labor. That is, if you want to develop new areas with cities and towns, you need to build an economy. That means you need workers who make money and trade with each other. But if plantations were able to go in, it would be bad economically. I'm not going to get into all of that, but let's let's keep watching. Uh, farm policy was important to him, but what he did say was never before since Jamestown and Plymouth Rock has America been in such danger. Mm. Joe Biden is saying I the agree, same though. thing tonight. And a historian 50 years from now, if historians are allowed to write in this country, and if there are still free publishing houses and a free press, which, which I'm not certain of, but if that is true, a historian will say, what was at stake tonight and this week 
was the fact whether we will be a democracy in the future, whether our children will be arrested and conceivably killed. We're on the edge of a brutal authoritarian system, and it could be a week away. And I think he's talking about Democrats, because any honest person who's assessed what's been going on in this country would not conclude that Donald Trump, who did not intervene in the 529 insurrection, who's going to conclude that he's the guy to send out the military and launch an authoritarian regime? It's Democrats that have been weaponizing the DOJ, arresting pro-life activists and ignoring the illegal actions of protesters outside of judges' homes. So you're wondering who's censoring and shutting down media and information. It's not been the Republicans. They don't have control of these institutions. And now we are learning it's in fact under the Democrats, particularly in the past two years, we have seen the DHS begin colluding with big tech to suppress and manipulate information. Now, don't get me wrong. Donald Trump's the one who signed CISA, creating that organization. So it could go either way. And I got to be honest. I don't think it would be Trump, but yo, who would turn down such power? I'm not sure anybody would. I look at Donald Trump. What did he do? He hired a bunch of swamp monsters. He tried to get rid of some of them. He didn't invoke the Insurrection Act to shut down the the, the insurrection that occurred across this country from Black Lives Matter and Antifa. So I'm not convinced Trump is the strong man. They say he is. I think the establishment uniparty is more than anything. Here we go. Who's going to start it? California professor and ex-CIA staffer claims that Christian white men are primed to start a civil war in America because they were once dominant and are in decline and blames the right for the spike, excuse me, in violent extremism. I think the lady's unhinged. And the reason is you take a look at the 529 insurrection and what do you see? The far left was terrorizing this country and continues to do so. You don't see people in major cities putting up American flags, crossing their fingers and hoping that violent MAGA extremists will spare their store. No, it's when you go to Berkeley or Oakland in San Francisco. Do you see the signs and windows saying, please spare our store? It was during the 529 insurrection across this country that people spray painted boards over their windows that said, please, we're a small business. Spare us. They weren't scared of MAGA Republicans. Here's the reality. What this woman is saying, because she is a psychopath, I believe she is an evil individual who is seeking to subvert this country, is that while you have a growing eclectic Republican Party with uh, more Latinos and more uh, young black individuals voting Republican by the day, that is actually the white men are going to cause the problem. Maybe. I mean, the reality is it's not Christian white men, but Antifa is mostly white males and they're smashing up windows and starting fights. And then as that goes on and they ignore it and act like it's not happening, smiling and smirking and laughing in your face, if you dare to protect yourself, they accuse you of being the aggressor. I'll give you an example. Jack Posobiec was standing out in the middle of the street, literally not in the middle of the street. He was out in public and he got hit by some Antifa. Fortunately, police officers saw it happen. But some young fat woman said, I didn't see anything. Nothing happened with a smug smile on her face. Nothing happened. But the police did, so her lying was meaningless. But take a look at a person that would do that. A person like this California professor. Barbara F. Walter, I think, is right. A civil war may be coming. And it's possible that, uh, you know, Christian white men may be those take first action that you could describe as a civil war. Perhaps. I don't know. I'm not a professor. But how do you ignore Antifa extremism, violence and terrorism 
and then argue it was someone else that started the war. Sorry. If at this point a war were to break out, I'd say it's the left, the weaponization of the DOJ, arresting pro-life activists. But these, are the, these, these, these people are nuts. You've even got Bill Maher. We'll play a little bit of this. I'm not going to play the full video, but I want you to hear what Bill Maher had to say. Um, is a right wing violent rhetoric that is the context for this uh, terrible attack on Speaker Pelosi's husband, her home, and was targeting her. Uh, what what violent right wing rhetoric is Ben Shapiro issuing secret communiques that I'm not hearing? Is Steven Crowder coming out and rallying people to get armed? Okay, well, well, actually, Steven Crowder does advocate for the Second Amendment, but not to engage in any kinds of violence against other people. Where, where, where are these messages of violence? Um, I know you care about free speech. So do I. I, I actually, viewers know, practice uh, First Amendment law for Floyd Abrams. But there's no free speech right to incitement. No. Do you think that the why? Well, we still have to follow the facts. We don't have all the facts yet about this defendant. Do you think the wider violent rhetoric, especially on the right, is contributing to all this? Of course. I think we're in a cold civil war. What violent rhetoric? What? Do you mean like small nonsense accounts? Because I'll tell you, no problem. I got an issue with them, too. But if we're talking about prominent left wing voices who advocated for the death of the Covington Catholic students, if you're if we're talking about the people who advocated to go out and punch people, smash windows and engage in violence, if you're talking about Antifa that routinely organizes illegal activities and incitement on Twitter and never gets banned. Sure, we got a problem with violent, violent rhetoric. But where are the prominent conservative voices doing any of that? Sorry, not around in this country. I mean, hmm. People keep talking about civil war. Um, there's an awful lot of people who will tell a pollster they think it's going to come. Some seem eager for it, which not wrong I keep that. saying, so you want to kill other Americans? Is that really where you're at? Mm. Some people are. He's right. And other That's people scary. ask, I've asked, what is it? What is the next civil war we're going to have look like? And of course, it's not going to look like the last one because it's not like we're neatly on two sides of a border that with armies that are going to fight each other. It's going to look like this. It's going to look like attacks on different people. Um, there was a uh, drag queen story hour in uh, a pub in Portland, I think it was, last week, that there was violence. They kind of attacked it, and there was some sort of brouhaha outside with weapons and so forth. That's what the next yeah. civil war looks like. And Incorrect. It may actually look a lot like the first civil war. Look, again, I'll stress, I'm not a historian, and I know I don't know nearly as much as most historians and even enthusiasts, but I can tell you, if you think that the Civil War was a dividing line where a bunch of states were staunchly in support of slavery and the North was a bunch of people staunchly opposed to it, you're completely wrong. The first states to secede from the Union, they, uh, they were scared of Abraham Lincoln, but it wasn't until after Fort Sumter and Abraham Lincoln called for 75,000 volunteer forces to go and suppress the South, stop the secession, did four other states then join in. And it's because these states were actually divided. In Maryland, it was divided. In Maryland, which was a slave state, they joined the Union. Why? I think the reality was they had no choice. D.C. south of is, is, is southwest. Uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln created a suspension of habeas corpus, a corridor going up from D.C. into Pennsylvania, arresting whoever he wanted without charge or trial. And they even arrested several members of the Maryland uh, Assembly or of this, their state representatives. 
I think it was something like 30 to 40 or so got arrested. There were many states that were very much split down the middle, North Carolina being a good example. So to argue that the, the, the dividing line goes from our, the middle of our streets and like it did back then too. Not everybody in the South was a slave owner or even cared about slavery. But when they voted and they decided, and then the federal government said no, that created a major conflict. So Bill, from one person who is not greatly educated on the, on the issue to another, I encourage you to simply walk down the street in historic Civil War territory where I live right now. And you, you, you go out, you walk down the street and there's like a little historical placard thing overlooking a river. And it's like, here's why this river was significant and gives you bits of history. I've been reading these things for a bit. I mean, I watched a few documentaries, watched some movies, watched a bunch of YouTube videos, and then I read some academic historical papers because let's be honest, that's probably more accurate than a lot of the stuff. And I can tell you right now, for one, Bill Maher blaming the right, he's wrong. I do think the right is susceptible to being crushed if a civil war does break out. And I think people need to need to uh, research and understand the first civil war to understand what may happen. But I don't know what's going to happen in this country, and I can't predict the future. I can tell you that previously Bill Maher said uh, there can't be another civil war. He said there can't be another civil war. It's amazing. How could how could he say that? And now he says we have to see each other not as mortal enemies, but merely as roommates from, uh, from hell. Sure. Taken from somebody who's traveled across this country my whole life, there are no red states or blue states. They're all like Mitch McConnell's hand, some shade of purple. Ha 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 ha. We can't have a second civil war because the two sides aren't neatly separated anymore. The Mason-Dixon line would cut through states, cities, streets, even bedrooms. Except, Bill, we weren't evenly divided last time. Several slave states joined the union, but I thought we were neatly divided. Slave states versus free states. Not true. In fact, the Emancipation Proclamation only ended slavery in rebellion states. That meant I think there were four states in the union that still had slaves and they were allowed to keep them. Granted, after the war ended, you got Republicans who voted for the 13th and 14th Amendments, which then ended slavery. Finally. But Bill, you don't know what you're talking about. I do think, however, things could get really bad. But you may have things like this. Let me play uh, just a little a little clip from this video for you. I'm going to be teaching you how to use frog, frogs, pronouns, and sentences. So let's go. Yeah, that's it. I'm Republican now. <laughs> you win. <laughs> I'm done. So uh, this young woman says, let's play it again. I'm going to be teaching you how to use frog, frogs, pronouns. and Frog, frogs, pronouns. Sentences, so let's go. Yeah, that's it. I'm Republican now. <laughs> and then this guy who, I got to be honest, looks like he smokes a lot of weed, says, that's it. I'm Republican now. He goes on to say a bunch of other stuff, but he was like, how can this be? I'm not doing it. And there we go. That's 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 the reality here. Daily Wire reports large majority of Americans say they won't vote for candidates who support transgender procedures for youth. This stuff is a cold wake up call for many people. I want to give you Florida. I want to show you Florida. This one's going to blow your mind. And Democrats, if you're not panicking, you better start. From freshtake.vote, Florida data. Currently, statewide, the turnout is 1.5 Republicans to 1.3 Democrats. The GOP leads by 226,936 in early voting. It's apocalyptically bad. Early voting and vote by mail. It's supposed to favor Democrats, but the Republicans are in the lead. And this is my friends that you're looking at right now. Miami-Dade County. Now, 
The number I just gave you, statewide. Here's Miami-Dade, an urban stronghold, historically Democrat area. Right now, we are seeing overall turnout, 132,000 GOP, 131,000 Democrats. There you go. Republicans are slightly up in Miami-Dade. That's crazy. Now, there's more Democrat voters, but this is early voting. That means when, when election day comes, that's when you see the big bulk of Republican voters come in. Be honest, I have no idea how that makes sense. Older people vote on election day, I guess. Younger people vote by mail. No, actually, no, I take that back. It does make sense. Younger people don't care all that much. Someone knocks on their door and says, fill out the ballot. And they say, OK, I guess, sure, whatever. Older voters go out because they do care. If Miami-Dade turns red, it is going to be historic. Take a look at this from Real Clear Politics. I showed you this at the beginning of the video, but uh, we'll go through it once more. We're now getting some changes here. It looks like New Hampshire's first district. This is uh, who, who do we have running in NH1? This is Levitt versus Pappas. And the latest poll. So previously we saw Pappas was leading. Now Levitt is up by uh, by point. Uh, I'm sorry, up by six points and a whole six percentage points in the latest poll. Levitt, I believe uh, Carolyn Levitt is her name, is a former Trump White House aide now looking to win in a Democrat area. It was a Democrat incumbent, went toss up. Now they're saying it's leaning GOP. When you take a look at the Democratic seats that are up, there are there are many that lean Democrat, but mostly they're toss ups. Now, there's more Democrat seats than Republican because the Democrats have the majority for sure. But of the Republican seats that are up, it's mostly leaning Republican. The Democrats are vulnerable. And some projections suggest it could actually be 255 seats for Republicans. Now, hey, don't count your chickens before they hatch. You think 255 is nuts? Go out and vote. You think 255 is nuts? Go out and vote and push it to 266, 270. You know what? Just do the whole thing. All of it. 535 Republican. Okay, I get it. You're not going to win in some places. Fine, fine. It's never going to be that crazy. But right now, they're actually saying, real clear politics projection, 54 Republican seats. To me, that's kind of crazy. I don't know if I can believe that, but I'm pretty sure Predict It is saying exactly that. Right now, I'm sorry, they're saying 53. Predict It thinks New Hampshire will go Democrat but the prediction market is leaning towards 53 Republican seats. Now, that's crazy, man. That'll get interesting. Looking at the Real Clear Politics house map, New Mexico. Here we go. We've got two districts in New Mexico. New Mexico's first and third are leaning Democrat. But what did we see in 2020? In 2020, the toss-ups all went Republican, most of them. The safe, uh, the lean Democrats... Uh, ended up being slightly Republican. And then even some safe Democrat seats flipped and turned red. The Democrats were still able to maintain a slight majority. But if Joe Biden's heading to New Mexico, they got to be worried about something. The governor projection has 31 states with Republican, Republican governors, a net gain of three, five pickups and two losses. I don't think it's fair to say Maryland is a pickup because come on, they got a, a Republican governor, but spare me. Massachusetts, come on. In New Mexico, Grisham right now is up four points. That's an aggregate, though. The latest polls have Grisham up two. If the polls are wrong, and they likely are, 
It explains why Joe Biden is desperately going to safe blue areas. They know the projection. The polls show a plus two. But if the polls are off by seven, it's Republican plus five. They've always been skewed, the pollsters, the polls. So we'll see. I think this one's going to be this one's going to get pretty interesting. Over in Pennsylvania, they're projecting that Dr. Oz will win. In the past couple of weeks, Oz has taken the lead and the last poll shows he's up three points. Decision Desk says that Dr. Oz is favored to win. And it's only in the past day or so that Oz actually overtook Fetterman in the spread. It's going to be crazy, my friends, but I hope you're ready. Daily Mail reports Oz takes the lead over Fetterman by two points with five days to go. Democrats' support begins to slow after debate performance with GOP surging in momentum nationwide and heading towards a red wave. Mehmet Oz for the first time surpassed Fetterman. We see this. We can see the new poll. This is from Emerson with Mehmet Oz up two points. Makes sense to me. You want to know why they're going to lose? For a variety of reasons. They're campaigning on stupid issues. But here's one I love from the Atlantic. Democrats keep falling for superstar losers. There's never been a better time to lose an election. And there's a picture of Stacey Abrams and Beto O'Rourke, two really awful, duplicitous individuals, in my opinion. Stacey Abrams, an election denier, and Beto O'Rourke says, heck yeah, we're going to take your Air-15s. Scott, so stupid. We're going to take your guns, man. Okay, Beto. He said, you're going to take people's AR-15s. Bro, you have no idea what you're talking about. It's looking like uh, a cultural shift is in front of us. If you go out and vote and you get your friends to vote, you, and if, if, if every single person who watches this brings friends to go vote, here's what could happen. If Republicans really do win as big as they're saying, and they, may, they, may, they might not, let's operate under the assumptions Republicans do well. And again, Democrats may actually win. I'm telling you, they're already saying in Pennsylvania, you got to wait two days before you know what happened. If the projections are actually correct and you all go out and vote in force, it could cause such lasting damage to the Democratic Party. No one runs under their their banner ever again. Now, that would be bold. It would require every single Republican to vote, every single independent who leans GOP to vote. Maximum turnout. But just think about how amazing that would be. The Democrats campaigning on no limit abortion and child sex changes, shutting down Keystone and jacking up the price of gas, lose. And they lose so badly, Republicans win a supermajority. And then in 2024, Republicans win again. At that point, people are going to say, ah, the Democratic Party is a thing of the past. If you're going to run, you're going to run as a Republican and you're going to try and get in the primary. Then you might actually see Republicans versus libertarians. You'll see more moderate Democrats be like, I'm going to be with the Republicans on this one. Look at Jeff Van Drew. He ditched the Democrats a couple years ago, joined the Republicans. He wins his primary in a landslide because people like it. he's a middle of the road dude. But he's like the Democrats have lost the plot, man. So the end of our democracy? No, just the end of the Democratic Party. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out. And don't forget, go to losingmymind.com. Pre-save the song coming out tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see y'all next time. Last night, President Joe Biden issued a stark warning that we can't take democracy for granted any longer. You see, what Joe Biden was doing was claiming that the only way to save democracy 
is to vote out Republicans. Now, of course, in this speech, he's trying to pretend like he cares about Republicans. He does the real ones. The reality is the establishment uniparty is in sheer panic. They are sweating bullets, as the saying goes, because when MAGA Republicans get in in mass and it's looking like they will, they will if you go out and vote, I'll tell you that. But if they do, there's a real possibility that something might change in this country something for the better. I'm not saying it's going to be reformation or revolution overnight, but you may actually get a handful of Republicans who start calling for inquiries, start demanding the government be for, of, and by the people. For too long, this country has been ruled by the uniparty establishment. And now, thanks to the internet, mostly regular people, real America first candidates are getting into office. There's only a handful of them right now. But Following Donald Trump's victory, there has been an ever-increasing push of populists into office. And now we may see the biggest one yet. So, of course, the powerful elites, the wealthy scumbags who have been spitting in our faces for decades are worried, oh no, what's going to happen to me? The funny thing is, I wonder if Joe Biden's going to get criminally charged. You know, they like to say that sooner or later, Donald Trump will be charged. Well, yeah, that's the establishment doing its thing, trying to stop Donald Trump because, well, they're the ones who are actually guilty of the crimes. It's projection. And I'll give you an example. I won't leave you hanging. Burisma. I mean, even Jon Stewart came out and said it was abject corruption that Joe Biden's son was put on the board of directors of an energy company while Joe was involved in policy with Ukraine. That is corruption. Okay. Maybe you don't get criminally charged for it, but maybe there's some stuff on that old Hunter Biden laptop. Maybe there can be some subpoenas and investigations that uncover what the Bidens were really doing with, say, you know, China, private equity deals. Is it a coincidence that Politico magazine put out Biden Inc., a story about how when Joe Biden's put in charge of Iraq, his brother gets these lucrative contracts for construction? Amazing how that works. And then when Joe Biden's supposed to be negotiating with Ukraine, his son is just on the board of this energy company, an energy company, no less when the U.S. interests are deeply connected with Russian energy transporting through Ukraine. It's very fascinating, isn't it? So maybe this is a real opportunity for some change, or at the very least, another grain of sand, another notch in the belt, another notch in your bedpost, call it whatever you want. From 2016, 18, 2020, more populists are starting to win. Here's the story from CNN. And boy, am I looking forward to debunking this because I will. President Joe Biden on Wednesday delivered a stark warning to Americans that the future of the nation's democracy, oh, our democracy, could rest on next week's midterm elections. He's right, by the way. An urgent appeal coming six days before final ballots are cast in a contest the president framed in nearly existential terms. He's right. Not for the reason he's saying. He's right because we just learned that the Department of Homeland Security was colluding with big tech. This is an intercept report to manipulate public opinion and subvert our elections. If uh, America First's candidates don't win, if actual populists don't win, they can solidify that stranglehold over the public, start censoring people across the board, and then you will not know the dirty deeds they do. This is an existential threat, and we need Republicans, not really the establishment. We need MAGA Republicans to get in 
and eviscerate that apparatus. I'm not convinced they will. I'm not. But I tell you this, it's the Democrats who are wielding it. So I'll take my chances. We can't take democracy for granted any longer, the president said from Union Station in Washington, blocks from the U.S. Capitol. They say where a mob attempted to interrupt the certification of the 2020 election. As I stand here today, there are candidates running for every level of office in America, for governor, for Congress, for attorney general, for secretary of state who won't commit to accepting the results of elections they're in. Whoa, Biden, are you talking about Hillary Clinton and Stacey Abrams? Oh, you're not? You should be. It's amazing how that works. That is the path to chaos in America. It's unprecedented. It's unlawful. And it's un-American. Quote, this intimidation, this violence against Democrats, Republicans, and nonpartisan officials just doing their jobs is the consequence of lies told for power and profit. Lies of conspiracy and malice. Lies repeated over and over to generate a cycle of anger, hate, vitriol, and even violence. In this moment, we have to confront those lies with truth. The very future of our nation depends on it. I agree, Joe Biden. I agree. So let's uh, start with some of your lies. Here's a good one. Oh, I'm sorry. This was actually the truth. But why'd they delete it? White House is forced to delete fact check tweet claiming Biden has given American seniors the biggest boost in Social Security in 10 years. Oh, OK, so it was a lie. What they tweeted here, here's the tweet. Seniors are getting the biggest increase in their Social Security checks in 10 years through President Biden's leadership. I believe your uh, department of your, your ministry of truth refers to this as malinformation. Malinformation is information that's true, but taken out of context to make it seem like something different. The tweet makes it seem like Joe Biden signed a hard document like, let's give our seniors more money, man. In reality, he was fact checked. It was President Nixon in 1972 who signed into law the automatic benefit adjustment tied to the consumer price index. Seniors getting their biggest increase? That's because it's the biggest inflation. It's really funny how they screwed that one up. Well, after trying to manipulate the public with malinformation, they got fact checked uh, fact checked on Twitter and then deleted the tweet. But let's get um, let me give you a direct example of how evil these people are. This is a story from the Detroit Free Press. Stephen Colbert doubted existence of man Tudor Dixon cited in debate, but he's real. Doubted? He outright lied. Let's see if we can play this. Here we go. Okay, I don't want to play the full thing. I don't know if, uh, do I have the story here? Nah, okay. This is what, okay, we don't, we don't. I don't want to play the full YouTube clip. Let me see if I can just jump through to the point where he actually brings it up. He talks about Fetterman, and then uh, he shows Dr. Raz. Let's, uh, they put the whole YouTube video here. Okay, let's see what he says. Oh, wow, so funny. Yesterday, there was also a debate night for Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and her opponent, Kirkland brand Gretchen Whitmer, Tudor Dixon. <laughs> Dixon is another anti-choice MAGA Republican. Well, it turns out that's very unpopular in Michigan, so she's focused her campaign on another issue entirely, and it came up again last night. What I've heard from parents across the state is inappropriate content in school libraries. If you have material, in your school that is something that you can't read to a child at a bus stop because you would be arrested because it is pornographic, then it should not be in our classrooms. Ah, yes. They'll laugh. Childhood. We all have happy memories of bedtime when you get in your PJs, grab a glass of water, head on down to the bus stop for a bedtime story. 
from a drifter named Shambles. He doesn't just do the voices, he hears them. And Tudor, sir, happy memories. Happy memories. Dixon's not the only one worried about this issue. So is this guy she totally made up. I had a gentleman come up to me just a few nights ago, and he said, I found content in my school library describing how to have sex to my son. I went to the Democrats, and I said, I cannot believe that this is in there. Okay. <laughs> Fine. There's the light. There's his laugh. That happened. But. That happened. Ooh, this is Even if it did, if someone found a book they didn't like at a school library, why would they go to the Democrats? That's like saying, excuse me, is this Chuck Schumer's office? I didn't like the finale of House of the Dragon. Also, this natural peanut butter is way too is oily crazy. when it's in the cupboard, but it gets too hard when it's in the fridge. I'm voting Republican. Good day, sir. I said good day. <laughs> then, for reasons all her own, Dixon continued. What these parents are talking about are not textbooks that will help children learn about themselves. These are books that are describing to children how to have sex. She's right. We looked it up, and there are a lot of classic children's books teaching kids about doing it. There's Where the Wild Things Bone. <laughs> so here's, here's a funny thing about this. For one, Colbert's lying. And the fascinating thing is, uh, here's the guy. His name is Khalil Othman. He did say this story. He did post about it. He even uploaded a video of him basically saying he's quitting the Democratic Party because they're they're presenting in schools sexualized material. Now, of course, you guys watch the real news. You watch Timcast. So you knew this already. Isn't that fascinating? But take a glimpse into what Colbert is saying. And you are looking into the abyss. You are staring into wacky world where Stephen Colbert definitively says she made him up. Tudor Dixon, sue them for defamation. That is, as far as I can tell, a false statement of fact. It is not an opinion. An opinion would be like, um, I don't believe your story is real. No, he said she made it up and then he goes into great detail. The funny thing is, you've got potentially a, a actual malice, in that he knew what he was saying was false. He said, we looked it up. Did you? Here, let, 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 let's play that again. Let's play that again. I said good day. Blah, blah, blah. Dixon continued. A lot of classic children's books teaching kids about... Are books that are describing to children how to have sex. She's right. We looked it up. And there are a lot of classic children's books teaching... She's right. We looked it up. This is interesting. Would he come out in his defense and say, we know it's not true, but it was a comedy bit that no one would believe was real? Sue, sue, because at the very least, you tried. Maybe it gets summary judgment and they say it's, you know, anti-slap or something. I don't know. But he said outright that Tudor Dixon made this story up. That's that's a bold thing to say. That's not an opinion. An opinion is like if you call someone a fascist. An opinion is like, I think, you know, if I said Stephen Colbert is actively working with communists, that's actually an opinion. But if you said someone did a thing they did not do, now it's getting interesting. And the fact remains that even the Detroit Free Press took 10 seconds and found out the story was true. So let's throw it back to our good friend, Joe Biden. Lying for power like you, you duplicitous scumbag. 
Yeah. Lies repeated over and over and over to generate a cycle of anger. I can literally pull up a story from right now. Okay, from just, you know, yesterday afternoon. How about that? Where Colbert lied to two to three million people. I think his ratings around two million. Two million people live in this psychotic, deranged world where Colbert comes out and goes, don't believe, don't believe the truth. Don't Google it. They live in this world where on CNN, they say, you're not allowed to read WikiLeaks's emails. They live in a world where the Department of Homeland Security colluded with big tech to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story, because within it, there is evidence that Joe Biden himself is as corrupt as corrupt comes. Even John Stewart said it, that it's corruption. And so here we are. This is the world we're in right now. Biden thinks democracy is Democrats in power. Republicans tear into president for dividing Americans because he can't talk about his own policies after speech warning of dark forces in the midterms. Yeah, that's it. Biden, during his remarks in D.C., linked his predecessor's rhetoric to recent attacks. So who's the Republican you're referring to, uh, Joe Biden? The good ones. Pence. There you go. Tom Cotton says to Biden, democracy means one thing. Democrats having complete power. And this is the scary reality. The reality is that there are going to be a lot of people who believe Colbert. I know it's supposed to be comedy and it's just jokes. It's one thing to tell a joke that's an anecdote or a story that's embellished. It's another thing to get up on late night TV and tell a story that is presumed to be true with jokes sprinkled in it. Then you're manipulating people. But, you know, Colbert is a genuinely evil dude. It's either malicious evil or the banality of evil. Pick whichever one you want. Either way, it's evil. When you tell people to march in lockstep to their own demise, for whatever reason, you are involved in evil. They talk about the banality of evil, the Nazis, why they went along with these things. It's actually really simple. We know the horror stories of World War II. We know the horror stories of the Holodomor in, uh, in the Soviet Union. Why is it that these people would make this machine possible? Why is it that they would do the things they did? Here's the reality. There were many people who are serving in the German military. They didn't know exactly what they were doing. They just did it. They didn't ask questions. They just said, sure, why not? And of course, there were a lot of people who knew exactly what they were doing, mostly at the higher ranks. And many people actually in these concentration camps, death camps is a better way to put it. They knew exactly what they were doing. But what about... You know, Hans, who's stationed in one small town, and he's loading people up into a train. Did he know exactly what was going on? Yeah, probably not. Not all of them. Some of them probably did. Many of them probably didn't. But it's no excuse. In fact, we specifically call them out for the banality of evil, that they went along with something that was shocking. The fact that you would even decide to round the person up and you think, well, I, I didn't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You were in that machine and you made it all possible. You need to know exactly what you're doing and why. So perhaps if someone comes to you and tells you to round up an ethnic minority, you might consider that to be a really, really bad thing. And that's what we judge them for. Because you did it. You did. You look at Colbert. Maybe he's just really dumb. Why did he say he, he, we looked it up when they didn't? I think he's malicious evil. I think Colbert knows for a fact that he's lying. That's my opinion. And now you're seeing Republicans come out 
Look at that. I mean, it's basically every Republican, Andy Biggs. Americans are fed up with Biden. Instead of listening to their concerns, he responded by holding a national address to patronize them. You know what? Let him do it. You know why? Right now, Americans are concerned about gas prices. They're concerned about crime. And many of them actually are concerned that their children are being sexualized. Let them come out and lie and focus on nonsense. Clearly, this man Khalil exists and he quit the Democratic Party. He says, quote, my name is Khalil Othman. I came all the way from Dearborn, Michigan. I am here along with two parents, concerned parents against these sexually explicit books. He said, I am a proud Muslim American who expresses my values and concerns all the time. Dearborn has been voting Democrat blue for the last decade or two decades, but not anymore. On behalf of myself and my family, I guarantee you for sure that my family and friends will vote for Republicans. Good. Let Joe Biden say whatever he wants. Let Colbert lie to people. You know why? Because the people here, this, the veil is being shattered. The lie, the facade, the veneer is starting to peel. You can go out and you can lie all you want, but all that does is further solidify opposition to your psychosis. There may be some regular person who likes watching Colbert. And then someone shows them a book and they go, that's really weird. That's in schools. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not happy about this. The school won't take it out. I'm asking the school board. They're not saying they're refusing to do it. I went to my local rep. They said they said they're going to keep it in. So I'm thinking, like, what's going on? And someone hears that and they go, I don't know. That's crazy. Then they turn on Colbert and Colbert lies and they go, wait, what? But I know that's true. There may be people, and this one's funny, who agree with the books, who watch Colbert and say, what? He's lying. The books are in the schools. We like that they're there. Why is he lying? Uh Uh-oh. This may actually wake people up. He says in a Facebook post, Othman, Othman or Othman, never once did I ever vote Republican. However, the situation with the sexually explicit material in the schools was a bridge uh, for me was a bridge too far. When it comes to my kids and my family, I will not budge. A few days later, during a debate with Dixon and Whitmer, Dixon described Othman's story. Dixon didn't say his name, but a spokesman for the campaign later confirmed the free press it was Othman. During, uh, I think it's Othman. During the, or it could be Othman. Is it Othman? During the Sunday, (laughs) I don't know, rally, Dixon said he was from Dearborn. I had a gentleman come up to me a few nights ago, and he said, I found content at my school library, so we saw this. Colbert mocked Dixon as an anti-choice MAGA Republican. Now, why is that? Colbert is supposed to be addressing the nation, right? Why is he overtly partisan, an anti-choice MAGA Republican? He could say pro-life MAGA Republican. The left understands what that means. He says anti-choice. You see, we here at TimCast, we don't use that language. Official editorial policy for TimCast.com is not to say pro-life or pro-choice. It's to say pro-abortion or anti-abortion. That's it. And of course, the funny thing is the left gets mad about that. They're like saying anti, saying pro-abortion is, is, is wrong. We're not pro, for, in favor of abortion. We just think women should have a choice. And I'm like, dude, do you think the law should allow abortion or do you think the law should ban abortion? That's it. I'm not playing political games with you. Pro-choice and pro-life, political games. I'm not going to say pro-life because many of these people are in favor of the death penalty. We know what you mean. The funny thing is Republicans don't mind if you call them anti-abortion. Pro-lifers don't mind when you call them anti-abortion. They say, yep, that's true. Funny. After the clip ran, Colbert said, okay, fine, that happened, raising two hands with two fingers. I think Tudor should absolutely sue. I think Othman uh, should sue because this is 
outright defamation. He's saying this guy's story is completely fake and he's not a public figure. But, well, you know, we'll see, I suppose. Adopting the voice of a haughty man outraged. He said, that's like saying, excuse me, Schumer, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Whitmer said during the debate that she and others are listening to the corners of parents, concerns of parents, sorry, but also wants to be inclusive and ensure the safety of all students. Othman said Colbert's remarks about him are part of an effort to hurt the momentum of Republicans winning over Muslims in Dearborn. Right now, it's a crunch time for both candidates, and he's trying whatever he can do with his media influence to hurt her campaign. My friend, Sue, I, I say you should call a lawyer right now. Monday, on Monday, have the press release. We are suing Colbert for calling us liars. And Tudor Dixon should probably do it all the same. Do not let these people lie to win elections. That's the cost of doing business, defamation. Because they know if they got to pay a million bucks for having defamed someone, small price to pay in, 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 in races that cost tens to hundreds of millions of dollars, right? It's amazing, isn't it? Joe Biden is dividing this nation. And it's very, very dangerous for our democracy. Is that what you're supposed to say? Sure. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Ah, yes, and once again, the saga continues. AOC complains her Twitter account conveniently not working after tiff with CEO Elon Musk. Okay, for all of the things that we're concerned about with Elon Musk taking over Twitter, notably that he's working with some of these woke grievance organizations, you gotta admit, You'd rather have Elon Musk at the helm of Twitter than the previous Twitter administration, because at least right now he's mocking and trolling AOC and he plans to fire 50 percent of all jobs. So, uh, you know, like I said, net positive. The only reason that I come out and say, hey, Elon, stop working with organizations like New Knowledge and these grievance institutions is because if you do not keep the, the, the flame a, a burning, then eventually Elon Musk starts giving in to the left. My point is this. Many on the left, they riot, they complain, they boycott. And so big corporations listen, which means we cannot sit back and just say, I trust Elon to do the right thing. No, no, no. You got to You got to keep the pressure on and say, dude, no, do not work with them. I'll tell you this. I signed up for Twitter Blue because it was a cheaper way to get access to subscription only news services, because I like to read these news organizations. I don't like that I have to give them money, but, you know, to know what they're writing about, you do got to pay. Twitter Blue apparently was like, it's going to be cheaper instead of spending 10 bucks at all these places at five bucks, one, you know, per month and you get them all. Never worked. When I saw that Elon Musk was working with the woke grievance organizations, I canceled my Twitter Blue. I will sign back up and give the $8 that Elon requests when he proves he's actually going to free the political prisoners. But here's the best part. Let's get political. With the midterms just around the corner, let's bring up how AOC is a narcissist. She's complaining that her Twitter account isn't working after she got into a tiff with Elon Musk, as if to imply that Elon went into the code singling out her account and said, no more mentions for you. Okay, I get it. Not only does AOC not understand how basic economics works, she doesn't understand how social media websites work. And uh, she's so narcissistic, she thinks Elon Musk is targeting her. Dude, he tweeted at you one time. Calm down. Here's the story. The feud between new Twitter CEO Elon Musk and Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez continued Wednesday evening before the lawmaker claimed her account conveniently stopped working. 
Hours after Musk addressed critics of the platform's proposed plan to charge users eight bucks a month to keep their blue checks, Ocasio-Cortez fired back at Musk. One guy's business plan for a $44 billion over leveraged purchase is apparently to run around and individually ask people for $8, she wrote in a series of tweets. Remember that the next time you question yourself or your qualifications. I mean, it's it's an excellent self-own because like all businesses do that. It's just really funny. But AOC, who's never actually run a company or I mean, she's a bartender and I, and I don't I have no disrespect there. I respect the, the hustle, you know, and then she got elected. Those are great things. That's a great thing. But uh, AOC, you have no idea how to run a business. Literally, what Elon Musk is doing is like business 101. Ask your customers for money. Do you think that like he would open a Starbucks and then be like, the coffee's free? Here you go. Here's what we did. Over at Tim Cost, uh, Tim Cost, over at Tim Guest, oh, well, we have, no, 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 get out of here, Fox, new to your garbage autoplay. We had a uh, Cast Castle vlog and uh, we were doing fairly well on YouTube, but uh, it, it's, it's really hard to maintain. So first we were going weekly, right? And we would get like between 50 and like 100K. And then we decided you don't make enough money doing that. It's, it, you cannot sustain the salaries of several people. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So then we said, okay, how about we do this? How about we make it daily? And then we'll get less views per video, but more views overall. Made it a lot harder and ultimately didn't, it, didn't, it didn't work out. So you know what we did? We put it behind the paywall over at TimCast.com. It was either that or stop doing it all together. Now, we had a hundred and something thousand subscribers. And so I put it simply, guys, either it doesn't exist or those who really do like it and are willing to spend 10 bucks a month at TimCast.com, they, they spend the 10 bucks. Now, it's actually making more money. Still not really breaking even, but it's making more money and it's getting substantially less viewership. But that's okay. It's either that or get rid of it outright. Now, with Twitter, Elon Musk bought the company and he's going to people who he believes will value the platform and saying it's going to now cost you money. The, the analogy that I give is imagine if you opened a cake shop. Instead of charging people for the cake, you gave cakes away for free. But you asked companies to put their logo on the cake. And that paid the bills. You know, honestly, not a completely bad idea, but just not a good cupcake business. You may actually get a big company. It's like you're going to be giving out cakes and our logo will be on it. It's not so bad. You know, people will be giving out. It depends. You're probably better off doing like cupcakes and then handing them out with a logo on it. That's a great promotional activity. I don't think you're going to cover all of your costs, however. But some marketing campaigns may work that way. In the long run, you're probably going to just have to actually sell the cupcakes. So here we are. But AOC thinks that she's being targeted. I love this. Elon Musk pointed out when she said that, that she's got a Periwinkle Supporter Crew sweatshirt for 60 bucks. Okay, let's be specific. $58. Wow. For a sweatshirt. Now, I don't know how much it costs over at our store. It might be comparable, but I'm pretty sure that's on the high end. I think it's like 40 bucks for a hoodie. And that's just the default price, not the price that I don't, I don't think we set that. And shirts over at TimCast.com are like 20 to 30 bucks. Again, those are like, we just, I'm pretty sure we just do like the default for Teespring. Hey man, stuff's not cheap. But guess what? I'm not a socialist like AOC. You know, if we put up a limited edition premium t-shirt for a hundred bucks, I'd be like, buy it or don't. And some people might be like, dude, that's too expensive. I'll be like, don't buy it. I don't know. What to, I don't want to tell you, man. We are capitalists. So we say if it's too expensive, I just won't buy it. It's that simple. 
We don't have a, a tantrum and be like, businesses shouldn't charge money. How you're so dumb. Then Ocasio-Cortez notifications conveniently stopped working, she claimed. Oh, I love this. Here's what she tweeted. Also, my Twitter mentions and notifications conveniently aren't working tonight. So I was informed via text that I seem to have gotten under a certain billionaire's skin. Ha <laughs> ha, crying laughing emoji. That's a reminder, just a reminder that money will never buy your way out of insecurity, folks. Oh, no. And then she typoed. LMAO at a billionaire earnestly trying to sell people on the idea that free speech is actually an $8 a month subscription plan. Uh, AOC, do you have a phone? Do you pay for the, the phone bill? You do. Is it like 30 bucks a month or something that allows you to speak and they can't censor you? Yo, look, I know you don't think really hard about these things, but uh, when you buy a phone and then um, you pay a phone bill, and the phone allows you to send messages. The phone company doesn't come and ban you because you sent a naughty text message. They kind of leave you alone. But you got to pay your bills. Now, Elon Musk responds, your feedback is appreciated. Now pay $8. Sure, Elon, I am down to pay $8 when you unban people. And maybe he will. I'm not saying you won't. I'm just saying those are the terms. He tweeted this meme last night. It's an NPC with a blue check saying $8 a month for Twitter verification. So much for free speech. Then the person responds, you can still use Twitter for free just without the benefits. And then the NPC person gets very angry. Oh, man, Elon, I love how you're making fun of leftists and then thinking they're going to stay on the platform. You may as well just take the sledgehammer to the platform and say, we ain't playing these games. But you know what people have said? Elon's playing 4D chess. He can say whatever he wants to AOC and leftists. But he wants to make sure he's telling the advertisers he is taking these concerns seriously. He posted this meme of, uh, of the soy, soy jack with the glasses smiling at an $8 Starbucks Frappuccino with 30 minutes next to it and then crying at a blue check that says 30 days with the $8 price tag. OK, when I go to Starbucks, I'm not a fan of Starbucks. I tweeted this recently. Go to local, go to local places and I try whenever I can. If I can't, Look, I'll go to Starbucks. Guys, listen, if you have Netflix, I ain't judging you. I think you'd be better off if you bought a subscription to the Daily Wire or TimCast.com. But the truth is we do not have such a large offering that they do. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, for ideological reasons, abandon your entertainment and only give me money. I'll say it's better if you stop giving your money to people who hate you. But uh, we're going to try and win, not beg. I mean, I have no problem with people saying, like, support us, right? You know what I mean? You have an option to go to TimCast.com and sign up, become a member. Here's what I want to do. I want to make shows that are so good, people want to sign up and then stop signing up for Netflix and Disney+. Plus. That's my goal. That's what I want to see. Now, as for uh, Twitter, he's going to have to prove that he's doing what he says he's going to be doing. That's the important thing. It's about running a business, man. And uh, if he's not, then I'm not interested, because if he's going to pander these woke leftists, then mm -mm, I'm not going to give that more money. They say it's not immediately clear when Musk anticipates starting the monthly fee. He has also suggested making exceptions to the charge for scientific journals and others. Musk agreed to buy Twitter for 44 billion. This we understand. And now he's going to fire everybody. So good. The Daily Mail reports Elon Musk's Twitter revamp is set to kick off tomorrow. But the billionaire expected to cut half of all Twitter jobs on Friday and introduce a controversial $8 a month blue check mark uh, uh, charge for verified users by Monday. Now, that's interesting. By Monday, I ain't going to pay until you unban everybody. So say it's a few more weeks. 
we're good. I get to keep my blue check for 90 days. Sounds good to me. Hopefully within those 90 days, you free the political prisoners or at least show us you're working towards doing so because I don't trust you because I, I, I fell for the same thing with Jack Dorsey. I'll gladly sign up for eight bucks a month. I got no problem. Although I got to be honest, Stephen King was right when he said he should be paying us. We are the top tier creators, like the, the big accounts that are tweeting things that people like. Now, Elon says he's going to be making something like that. OK, I think everyone should be able to have a monetized version of their account. Anybody can make a YouTube channel. You can then apply for the partner program. Twitter should have a partner program as well. If they integrate with Rubble, that would be awesome. There's rumors that they'll do a long form video section. That would be really great. I would start uploading these videos to Twitter where I have 1.3 million followers. And Elon, run ads on those videos. Give a a lion's share cut. Give 80% to the users. And I tell you what, you will start displacing YouTube. I got on this channel right now, I got 1.12 million subs. Slow growing channel. But the views are are, are pretty stable and I make a good amount of money off of it. I got 1.3 million on Twitter and I don't put videos up there. Yo, Elon, monetize it. Allow us to upload long form videos, podcast style stuff, and you will own. Let's see it. I will pay. I'll put it this way. If it was just for hosting with no with, with with no monetization, I don't know if I'd be interested in splitting my revenue just to put stuff on your platform so that people could watch it. That just makes you more money. But if you do a rev share and it rivals YouTube or these other platforms, yo, I'll start uploading my videos to Twitter. Long form podcasts make it easier to listen to. I'm down. All right. They say Musk 51 wavered throughout his attempt to buy Twitter, blah, 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 blah. The 3,700 cuts now being touted would amount to about half the staff and would see them follow out five high-level executives. Another idea pitched was a charge for a blue check. We know he's doing that. Musk's touted move has been criticized by some who say key users of the platform create the content that give its value. Others have said previous attempts by companies to monetize something previously free have seldom been successful. The real thing you want to do is actually create a value proposition. That's what you want to do. Now, here's a challenge. YouTube is subsidized by Google. They sell so many ads across the board. They control so much that they can lose money on YouTube. It's tough. Here's the deal. Here's here's the deal, Elon. I got super follows turned on, but I got no real reason, reason to post anything. There's some super posts that are there, and sometimes people sign up. But uh, we haven't been doing any events. So I don't really have anything to post. I could put you know, premium content on Twitter, but that's increasing my workload for a platform that I just don't think is all that good. Make it better. Make it better. And you know what we can do? This is an interesting thought. I could actually put up my videos for super followers ad-free. Now, to be completely honest, a better thing to do would be to put all of the content on TimCast.com behind a paywall with no ads. And that's one thing we could do, but the bandwidth costs are pretty hefty. Seriously, if we were getting hundreds of thousands of views, I mean, I suppose if a video was getting 200K views, we'd have 200,000 plus paying members at 10 bucks a month. That's a lot of money every month. The bandwidth costs would not reach that much. So it, it, it would work out. But we'll see. The, the bigger challenge for us is technology and personnel. We would need more people to work here, more uh, QA, and we definitely need to make the website work better. But anyway, I digress. Here's what he's doing. Elon's going to charge eight bucks for the blue check, among other things. He's going to fire about half the staff. He's going to end Twitter's work from anywhere policy introduced earlier this year. 
that is a smart move. I do not like remote work, to be completely honest. I, it, I understand it, can, it needs to exist in certain respects. That's fine. But I am, I am not in favor of that. Make changes to Twitter's moderation policy to promote free speech and reduce what Musk sees as an overzealous suspension and bans. Introduce a new paid video feature that has been likened to OnlyFans. That's interesting. What if I uploaded this video to Twitter and you had to spend 10 bucks a month, but you could watch it ad free? Just $10 and you will get, what do I do? Two videos, about 20, so 50 videos for just 10 bucks. That's, that's, that might actually lose me a lot of money, to be completely honest. So, you know, it's really, it's really hard to know what to do because I'll, I'll be real with everybody. The goal here at Timcast is to keep doing things, purposefully reducing the amount of money we make is, is a bad idea. We're trying to compete with the likes of Netflix and Disney, etc. And I know we're a new company, only a couple of years old, and we're trying to grow and we're very ambitious, but we got to play the game. So we charge 10 bucks. Daily Wire for their video content, I think they charge more than us. Um, we might we might be better off charging more, but it is what it is. I'm not going to intentionally hurt the company for ju- just to support Twitter or whatever. It's not going to happen. But here's what we want. We want balance. We want to make sure that we're charging enough to where we cover our bills. We cover our staff. We're charging enough to where we're making enough money to expand the company because we do want to compete. And we're also not breaking the bank for most of you. So those who can afford it do. It's business. I'm not, uh, you know, I've always been a slightly left-leaning individual. I'm not doing this so that I can buy an infinity pool or go to outer space or anything like that. I'm doing it because I want to see positive change. I wonder if that's true for Elon. I don't completely think so, but I think to a certain degree. A lot of people don't like him for a lot of reasons. But here's what I want to see. I want to see kids lead healthy and happy lives. I want to see families get the support they need. I want to see the working class have their wages legitimately go up and their, and their standard of living improve. Capitalism is a great way to do that. I want to combat the woke cult and, they, and, and their advocacy for the destruction of humanity. The belief that there are too many people and you got to get rid of them, got to blow them up. Too many kids, got to blow them up. That's what Obama was doing. I don't like any of that. I want to occupy Mars like Elon Musk. I think if we got too many people, let's load them up in a big old spaceship, send them to Mars, get them on a big old ship headed towards Alpha Centauri. I want to see humanity expand into the stars. I want to see a galactic federation. How do we get there? Integrity, strong culture, strong values, recognizing that traditions do change, but still holding on to the ones that help make us successful and strong. And that means we have to win against a media apparatus that seeks to crap all over us, to destroy everything and make us live like tribal cavemen living in the wilderness with no technology. I do understand that with the rapid expansion of human population, there's a lot of waste. I believe this threatens the environment and we could eventually fart ourselves to death, much like yeast. You consume everything until there's nothing left. So what do we need? Technology. The solution to this problem is not to condemn humans to suffering and death. The solution to the problem is to focus on expanding technologies that can get us to the stars that can build space stations, that can terraform Mars, so we can create something amazing. There is more than enough on this planet to create a massive city in the sky, floating in orbit or whatever. Maintaining it, we have to, might have to mine some comets or asteroids and things like that. It'd be very, very cool. We can get there. I think so. You know, maybe there's a lot of people who think we're just trapped on this planet, spinning around and can't go anywhere, so they want us to live like, you know, cavemen or whatever. I don't buy it. 
I look at Star Trek and I see what humans can imagine and what they can envision. And we will get there more, more likely to get there if we follow visions of uh, the vision of people like Elon Musk, as opposed to the vision of people like Bill Gates. So that's what matters. Is Elon Musk a saint? Certainly not. Is he a good dude? I think he's a good dude. I think he's flawed. I think he's got business interests in China. I don't trust. I think he says a bunch of stupid things. I think he's, uh, uh, you know, played dirty games. But a vision for occupying Mars, for getting to Mars, for pushing humanity, expanding human civilization, it's a noble goal and it's the right thing to do. And that's what I want to see. So as much as I might say, you know what, he's not perfect, I would rather Elon Musk succeed than Bill Gates, because Bill Gates' view of the world is elitist. Make humans suffer. There's too many of them. They're bad. Elon Musk is make jokes, laugh, build cool stuff. Let's see it, dude. Let's see the cool stuff actually happen. So you know what? Let's get rid of these Twitter employees. Let's uh, carve the company down, transform it into X.com, add long form video, payment processors like Square. I mean, that's what uh, um, Jack Dorsey was working on, still is. Let's see solutions to the problems of pollution. We got population collapse in terms of you know, all these different animals. Let's solve for it with technology. Let's not just give up and say we're better off living in huts. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in humans doing better. Elon Musk says a paywall bypass for publishers that are willing to work with them. And this plan will give Twitter a revenue stream to reward content creators. He's wrong. I mean, it's technically the truth. There's no there's no way that people spending eight bucks is really going to generate enough money to pay creators. Sorry. On YouTube, because these videos are longer and they'll have like a handful of ads in them. One video for for various creators, depending on how big your channel is, can be from hundreds to thousands of dollars. Now, what about Twitter? How many times you got to tweet? How many views you got to get? How's it going to work? Maybe you need uh, videos. Maybe you can run ads like Facebook does. And then maybe you give a share to people. I actually think that's probably a better way to do it. The the in-stream ads on Twitter are dumb. Maybe they run short seven-second ads on videos, and then they give a cut to the person who posted the video. Sounds good to me. In the meantime, AOC, keep believing in yourself because the world's just all about you, isn't it? Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.